0: Hey, thank you so very much. It is a complete honor to be here with you guys. Uh, I just want to give you a little snapshot uh, of the church that I have the privilege of pastoring. I've uh, been there 14 years, so that's a little bit of uh, Cyprus. I want to give, if I were to give an overall kind of a summary statement of our two days together, I would title it this. I would just call it The Quest. I want for these next two days to be The Quest And the real definition of quest is a passionate pursuit and the adventurous expedition in search of. And the question I would just ask is, what is it that you are truly searching for? What are you in search of? I'm going to talk about four things that I think are worth searching for in life. And part of this whole idea came to me a few years ago. I was reading an article uh, about a cowboy, a guy by the name of Forrest Finn. Everybody heard, anybody heard of Forrest Finn before? Raise your hand if you heard of Forrest. Yeah, i would never had either. Uh, he is a multi-multi-millionaire, an art collector out west, um, out in Arizona, I believe it was. Uh, I think we got a picture of him popping up. There's Forrest. Um, looks like everybody's favorite grandpa with a cowboy hat. But anyway, <clears throat> Forrest was a multi-multi-millionaire. He was diagnosed with cancer, and he decided to do something uh, different. He took about two and a half to three million dollars worth of gold coins, artifacts, and he hid them out in the desert. And you can Google him, you can search for clues. Uh, He has since passed away and there's question, people every year go to Phoenix and go out into the desert searching for this gold. So I thought it'd be kind of a fun thing to do like our own little mini search uh, here at Kingswood University. over the next two days. So what I've done is uh, Rick Rucker and I, we walked around the campus last night. And we we're praying over the campus, but we have also hidden a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker, it has uh, kind of that logo piece right there. And whoever finds that bumper sticker, I brought $500 to give to that person. So this is, it's just. I just thought it'd be fun. I mean, when I was in college, I remember, I mean, like, there were like pizzas for five bucks, I mean, and that was like a big deal. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to give you different clues throughout the day, okay, where you can find this bumper sticker. And I'll just say, it is a lovely library you have that we walk through. We walked through your student center last night. We, we toured this whole campus. It's beautiful. The first clue, stop by and see Rick Rucker. He's gonna be at the table. He heads up all of our internships, residency, adult ministries, and all the rest. He will give you the first clue. But I promise you, we will leave the $500. We'll give it to someone in chapel before we take off, all right? So we're gonna keep making the clues increasingly uh, increasingly uh, to your, your benefit there. <clears throat> but the real question is this. What, what is it that you're searching for? What is it that you're truly searching for in life? Why are you here? Are you here to get a degree? Uh, Maybe to get a date? I don't know. Get a, find a wife, find a husband, Uh, find that sense of career path that God has called you on because whatever you are really searching for or looking for in life, I promise you that will affect what you see in life and that will also affect the steps and the paths that you take in life. Whatever your true heart's desire is, is going to guide you and lead you in certain directions. I think one of the most important things I would suggest that you search for is God's wisdom. The wisdom of God. There are far too many people who simply settle for the presence of God. The the wisdom of God is God's presence, but it is also God's principles which can only be found truly in his presence and you apply it to your daily living. That's wisdom. What are you searching for in this life? You know, Proverbs chapter three, verse 13 through 16 says, blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. There's nothing you could ever desire that could compare with her. So, I mean, we're going to have fun searching for that $500, uh, you know, bumper sticker logo deal. But I'm telling you, there are people all across the world that, unfortunately, are still searching for the pot of gold. And their pot of gold might be a corner office. Their pot of gold might be the next raise pot of gold might be the next accomplishment, and they always wonder why they still feel somewhat empty or unsatisfied or dissatisfied at the core, and the reason being is because there's nothing this world has to offer that can ever satisfy you like God's presence and God's principles applied to daily living, the true wisdom of God. It's all throughout Scripture. I'd encourage you in your own time of quietness and devotion, read through Proverbs chapter 2 read through Proverbs chapter 2, read it slowly, meditate on those words and to see what God has to say about the value and the power of his wisdom. Let me share with you two great lies that society or the world kind of promotes when it comes to this quest for wisdom. One lie is this, sometimes, and maybe you've heard this yourself, people say all you need is passion in life. Uh, you, did, you need passion. You need to be passionate in order to be successful. And yes, you do need passion, but if passion alone is all you have, uh, you're not going to be successful in life. I'll just be honest with you. It takes more than passion. If you or I were going in for heart surgery, something happened, they detected that our hearts were malfunctioning somehow. And you and I went in, and we'd go through the pre-op and all the rest, and, and we're getting ready to be wheeled into the operating room, and the surgeon comes out, you're gonna ask, so how many of these have you actually, you know, like done in real life? And if the surgeon says, you know, I've really not done any of them, but I've done some uh, Google, YouTube uh, studies, and I'm really, really excited to operate on you, your your level of confidence is gonna go down. It takes more than passion for God to be effective in life. Here's the second lie. The second lie is all you need to do is glean knowledge. Just just glean knowledge. That's not how it works either. God's wisdom is the combination of the presence of God and the principles of God, the purposes of God, and then applying it to regular life, right where we live. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, Scripture says, As dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. A wise person chooses the right road. A fool takes the wrong one. The last, one of the things I want to talk to you just briefly about this pursuit of the wisdom of God, it's a transforming work. And when I say a transforming work, what I'm talking about, it's an inside deal. Anybody can have a certain amount of uh, personal resolve and have what I will call behavioral modification. You know what behavioral modification? What behavioral modification is, <clears throat> for some reason, I've changed my behavior for a short period of time, but my heart is no different. Uh, Dr. Gorvette told you a little bit about my family. I have three boys. Uh, Jackson's the oldest, then Mac, then Peyton. Uh, Peyton, my youngest, he's 10. He's the earnerest one of the three. But anyway. As he's growing up, there's times with my oldest son when correction needed to occur. All I had to do was look at him. Did any of your moms have that look? That they just look at you and you knew, oh man, I'm in so much trouble. I've got to like change right now. My youngest, he doesn't respond to that look. Now listen really carefully. There are times he will do the thing that I've asked him to do. But because he's my son and I know him, I know on the inside he is fighting me every step of the way. Does that make sense? There's been times you've been asked to do something or you feel like you've been forced to do something. And on the outward, you are complying and you're doing that which you've been asked to do. But on the inside, you are fighting it. You are rebelling against it every step of the way. What God, the pursuit of God's wisdom is the pursuit of, Lord, I want to find myself in your presence, but I also want to learn your principles and and your ways and your best for my life, and to see those two things integrate as one on a regular basis, so that what? So that I can live a successful life? No, so that I might be transformed, so that you might actually begin to create a new work within me. And I will tell you, that is a passionate pursuit. It is a daily pursuit. This is a job, the greatest job you will ever do in your life is the job to take on who you will become in Christ every day for the rest of your life. That is way more significant than any church you're going to build or any ministry you're going to lead. The fact that you will lead yourself, because why? Listen, you live with yourself every day. You know yourself well. I know myself well. And this is a job I work on every day for the rest of my life. Lord, your presence and your principles, help them to integrate as one deep within me. Not that my outward behavior can change. Hey, anybody can change their behavior for a short period of time. No, so that what? So that I might become truly the man or the woman that you've designed me to become. Lord, that's what I long for. Now, where does wisdom begin? I'm gonna go to the board and write a little bit here. Wisdom really begins with a a deep sense of spiritual discernment, distinguishing between right and wrong. Uh, There are four voices that you're gonna hear speak to you for the rest of your life. Uh, The first voice is this, it's the world. A second voice you'll often hear people, uh, it's others. Uh, there's a third voice, I would just call that self. And then there's a fourth voice, and that's the voice of Christ, Jesus. Now, it's interesting, each of these four voices that speak to us will all define success differently as well. Uh, how does the world define success? I'd say there's three basic things. It's, it's money, it's power, I can't hardly spell, and even if I could, you can't read it, but anyway, money, power, and the last one is fame. The world will tell you if you have more money than you're being successful, you are on the right path in life. The world will tell you that if you're powerful, if you're famous, then you are like the man. You have arrived. You are somebody. Other people will speak to you, and when other people speak to you, oftentimes it is agenda driven. Have you ever noticed that other people always seem to have an agenda for your life? And other people will sometimes say you're being successful when what? When you're living in according to what they want for you to do or how they want for you to live. Other people will always have an agenda, and sometimes it's not bad. But you have to come to a realization that sometimes you know that God's setting your life on a certain course And when someone else wants you to live your life according to their course, when you go your way, listen, they're gonna say you've lost your way. They're gonna tell you that you are failing in life. You're no longer being successful strictly because you're not doing the thing that they want you to do. I'm gonna skip self for a minute. How does Christ define success or this whole sense of the accomplishment of wise living in life? It's really two things. One, it's our level of obedience and it's committing to be a slave to Christ. Read the New Testament as, I mean, you guys do, obviously, but um, so often in the New Testament letters, they begin with, my name's Peter, uh, an apostle and a slave to Christ. I'm Paul, I'm a slave to Christ. Uh, was the movie 12 Years a Slave, did that come out here in Canada? You guys, okay. Um, all I could find was like hockey games and hockey news on TV last night, and then the airport, so I just wanna make sure. When scripture says, I'm a slave to Christ, it doesn't mean like the movie 12 Years a Slave or what took place in America. Uh, What it's talking about, uh, the Greek word there, I mean, it literally means almost like an indentured servant. It's an act of my will. It's a conscious decision of my mind that I'm taking out the deed to my life. And I'm making a willful decision that says, God, God okay, here we go, I'm of my right mind and my right heart and I'm gonna sign the bottom line of the deed of my life and truly all that I have, all that I am and anything that I might ever happen to receive in the future, anything that I might ever actually happen to become into the future, I am signing this deed to my life and I'm, I'm handing it all over to you. I'm going all in on this thing. You know what a lot of people do with the Lord? They wanna play poker with the Lord. And I know none of you guys play poker, but maybe you've seen it on TV. Poker is where you float a few chips out there, and then you just wait to see which cards are dealt to you, and then you're gonna make your decision. And if you feel that you're in a position of strength based on the cards that life has dealt you, you're gonna play your hand strong if you feel that you're in an inferior position because of the cards that life dealt you, then you're gonna cut your losses and you're gonna fold just to try to save face and live to play another day. Listen, God does not play poker with us. What God longs for is to say, are you all in or not? Are you passionately in the pursuit of my presence and my ways because if you try to do it your way, I mean, it, it just it doesn't work. You can lean on your own understanding. You've been alive, what, 18, 20, 44 years of life? Whoo, man, you must know a lot. You go ahead and do it your way then. God says, no, 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 I am the creator. I'm the maker of everything. So seek my presence and seek my ways and then integrate them, not that you can like change your behavior on the outside so that you might become a brand new person on the inside. You know, these voices speak to us. And the question that we're all gonna have to eventually answer, I'll just leave it there for now, is which voice are you actually gonna listen to? Because you're always, listen, you're always gonna hear certain voices. The voice is never gonna go away. If Jesus Christ himself was tempted, let's be prepared, you and I are gonna be tempted as well. The question is, what decision will we make? What's the decision? There's no sin in the struggle. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on this evening. I think, you know, if you, you know a bullseye, concentric circles. The question we really have to answer is who or what is ultimately be, going to become the true center core of our life. And there's really, I think there's only two options. The center core is either going to be Myself, or it's going to be my Savior. Sometimes people will talk about situational ethics. You know what situational ethics is? You know, if I'm in this particular group of friends, I'll make this decision. If I'm in a different group of friends, then I can make a different decision. I normally make this decision, but if I feel oppressed in life, then I'm going to make a different decision. It's called situational ethics, and it really is just another perversion of self. What do I feel is going to be the best thing for me? What do I want to do? When Christ, as our Savior, becomes the center core, then we're all in on this deal. And I say, Lord, would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you be the person? You're the one I'm pursuing, your presence, but also I'm trying to learn and discern your ways as well. How do you get there? What path do you actually take? I think there's three steps we all have to take. Number one is acknowledge that we need Christ. You have to be willing to acknowledge, I cannot do life on my own. And here's one of the great temptations or one of the great traps I find a lot of adults fall into. They will turn to Christ when it's time to make a decision in life, not just their daily substance of life. Does that make sense? In other words, Christ is not like a genie in the sky that you just kind of do your own deal. You know, you got your quiet time in the morning, you do all that. And then when, you know, I'm I'm cramming for a test or there's a big relationship question or or there's an issue that I have to uh, figure out, then I go to God. No, it's the acknowledgement I cannot live without him. That requires humility. I'm gonna tell you one thing I know to be true the people that experience the presence of God and the purposes of his work within them most keenly are humble people. And I will tell you the follow-up, humility often comes through a season of brokenness. I wish I didn't have to tell you that part, but I just gotta keep it real and be honest with you. And that's the whole pathway of the pursuit. It always will begin with that sense of true humility to say, God, you know, I was nobody and then you found me and I am somebody. But maturity is coming to that realization, no, I really am nobody. I'm somebody because I'm somebody in Christ, but God, without you, I'm, I'm flat dead. I cannot make it to take another step in this life. And it's that acknowledgement. The second step in really developing who we are in Christ and, and his presence and, and his purposes is then to ask him for his, his wisdom. Ask him. Uh, James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. One of my prayers has always been, Lord, I do not want to have not because I failed to ask you. You all have heard the stories. Christ, you know, goes back to his hometown. He could do very few miracles. It's not that he lost his, you know, his divine powers. It's not that he he lost the desire to to set people free or to, um, you know, to do a work in their lives. It was the lack of faith. It was the lack of expectation on the part of the people. And I think what God longs for us. God longs for us to say, Lord, I'm I'm longing to be in your presence. Lord, I give you permission to shape me and to mold me every day into the person that you would desire for me to become. And then the third step in that process is to pursue him. If we've chosen to put Christ into the center of our life and of all the voices, the world uh, is going to be telling you one thing and and your friends and and maybe even some of your enemies will tell you another thing, to choose to say, Lord, your voice is the one I'm going to hone in on. I'm going to pursue you. Why? Because you're the author and the perfector of life. You're the creator. You're the one who, who determines all things. So, Father, I'm coming into, into pursuit of you. Growing in God's presence, growing in God's wisdom is never the result of just hanging out or just being at the right place at the right time. It is the passionate pursuit. It is the intentional effort it is the single focus of our life to say, like, God, I want to get to know you better. God, I want, I want to give you permission to do whatever it is you want to do in me so that you can continue to do whatever it is you desire to do through me. It always starts in those two ways. Wisdom will always ask as well the question beyond what's right and what's wrong. It will ask the question, What's best? Wisdom will ask the question: I wonder what would be best here. I remember in some of this is back in high school, more and a little bit in college. But my, I was in those decision-making era of life. Now, what do I really believe? And do I believe what I believe because my mom and dad always believed it, or or do I believe what I believe because I have actually read the Bible myself and I've kind of wrestled through that? Uh, it was uh, for me personally. It was a season, um, my dad was, mom and dad, were my, my dad was my best friend, he was a pastor, doing a great deal. Baseball is very important to me. Um, three days from signing with the Philadelphia Phillies uh, to be a pitcher, hurt my shoulder. Baseball was taken away, I never threw another pitch after that, my dad died uh, four months before that time. It forced me to really wrestle through what do I believe and why do I believe it. And in some of those wrestling years, I remember my mom on occasion, she would say, you know, I was talking about, and I just told her, I said, I don't know if I believe the same things you believe. And one of the things she said on occasion, she said, well, she goes, if you continue with this thought that you're thinking of, and it would become an action, do you think that would be more pleasing to God? Is that the best representation of Christ? Is that the best representation of who you are? And I tell people, it it really didn't stop me from sinning all the time, but it certainly complicated it on occasion. Because my issue was not that I didn't know the difference between right and wrong. My issue was, I really still hadn't fully settled who's going to be the center of my life. And I grew up in church, I knew enough to, to have behavioral modification, I could answer all the questions, I could play the part perfectly, better than anybody else could. Why? Because I knew. I knew the right thing. But it became very personal for me to make the decision, am I truly going to seek the presence of God, and am I truly going to seek his purposes? Because I wanted to do a work from the inside out. Andy Stanley wrote a great book uh, years ago called The Principle of the Path. If you've not read it, I'd really encourage you to pick it up sometime. And what Andy's main point in that book is, it's the direction our life is heading that will determine your destiny. It's not your intention. The world is full of people who had great intentions and they never took another step in that direction. It's our daily decisions. It's our daily habits. It's our daily patterns that will point you and lead you in a certain direction in life. So I'd like to just wrap up this first uh, session together <coughs> Excuse me, by asking a question. What are you searching for? I mean, seriously, what do you really want in this life? In this season of life here at Kingswood University, what is it that you truly are hungering and thirsting for? Because whatever it is, I promise you, that is probably what you're gonna find. Do an inventory of your life. Do an inventory of your daily decisions, your normal routines, and just ask yourself, Lord, is there any way I could pursue your presence a little more effectively? And Lord, is there any way that I could not only learn your principles and learn of your purposes, but how could I integrate those to truly become one? Why? So a transforming work could occur from the inside out. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for times like this when we can uh, worship you, Lord, because you're God, we're not. You're the creator, we're the created. And Father, I pray that you would uh, just continue to speak to us, help us to sense uh, not only your presence and not only your purposes, but help us to seek you in your best, not just so we can live life successfully, but that we can more become the people you long for us to become. We love you. Thank you so much for your great and incredible love for us. We pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen.